Greetings to each of you in the name of the Lord Jesus this morning. Count it a privilege to be here to worship with the saints at Prairie. Have you ever thought of yourself as being a saint? I think it's proper that we do so. Many people think of saints as being dead people. And we cannot be a saint if we're one of those dead people that are living physically but spiritually dead. And many people would just as soon not have the reputation of being a saint. It calls for quite a bit of responsibility. If you had a sign on your car that said a saint drives this car, would it affect the way you lived any differently? Or, and I'm not a proponent of wearing it on your t-shirt, but I think we should live consciously that the world is watching us and that we walk as saints. And I would encourage you to do that here in prayer as well as we seek to do that before the Lord and before the lost in our community in Wickenburg. I often choose to preach through book studies, and right now at home we're looking through the book of Philippians, and we had a visiting minister come through, and he gave an outline for the book of Philippians that I found interesting to think about, and I'm finding even more interesting as I go through it studying. But I'd like to look this morning at what Christ is to us. We've been looking at that at home in a number of messages. In, in the book of Philippians chapter 1, we see that Christ is our life. In chapter 2, we see that Christ is our mind. Chapter 3, we see Christ is our goal. Chapter 4, Christ is our all in all. And I could go to references to look at each of those, but this morning I want to look at the fact that Christ is our mind. I don't know what you think about when you think of having the mind of Christ or Christ being your mind. Many times we think of the wisdom that Christ imparts to us. Oftentimes when we have a big decision ahead of us, we think, well, I just would like to have wisdom from above for this. I'd like to know whether that van I'm about to buy is going to have the transmission go out of it as soon as I drive off of the parking lot. I'd like to know if the investment that I'm going to make is going to, to be buying low and selling high. We like to have wisdom. We like to have understanding. But as we go through this message... I think we're going to see how shallow that kind of a desire is in having the mind of Christ. Christ is so many things to us. And I listed a number of them. And for the text this morning, I want to read the first 11 verses of Philippians 2, if you care to turn there. Philippians chapter 2, and it continues to speak of things that Christ is to us. Philippians 2, verse 1, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, 
given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Lord Jesus is so many things to us this morning. And I confess that I often do not think of all that he is to me. I don't think in our whole lifetime we could go through and and totally make a comprehensive list of all that the Lord Jesus is to us. But in this list in verse 1, it speaks of consolation, comfort of love, fellowship, mercy. And looking back in your Christian experience, can you think of, of many times that the Lord has been your comfort, that the scriptures were there and gave a word in a perfect time. And then we think of his spirit within us that bears witness with our spirit that we're the sons of God. So many things that give us strength and stability. And I know we all as believers face times when we doubt, but the Lord is there continually. And are we conscious of that? Or should we take it for granted that it's always been there, always will be? And I think we need to take comfort in the fact that the resources of God's grace will not dwindle and deplete. I work in a family business at home, and I've been told that there's people within family businesses that sometimes develop the type of attitude that I'm thinking about. To where you just assume it's always been there, always will be, and it doesn't really matter what I do or whether I appreciate it or not. And that's sad when a family business is that way. It will not function for very long, at least not in a prosperous way. And it isn't limited to family business. Sometimes people think of the boss. He's loaded. He has all that he could ever want or need. And he can supply my need too. It's a shame when we think that way toward God. And it is true. God has abundance beyond all that we could ever use or or expend. But let us be eternally grateful for it. Let's not take those things for granted. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ. The word consolation is an interesting word. It means to come alongside with strength that is greater than what we possess. Or someone comes alongside us with strength that's greater than we possess. And I'm not a Greek scholar understand this word is paraclesis. I may be saying that wrong. Paraclesis, it has a two, it's a two-part word meaning to come alongside and, and to bring strength there. The word para in the English language has that idea of, of coming alongside. A paralegal is one who comes alongside of you, gives you legal advice. The Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, is calling us to appreciate that which has come alongside of us. There's another para word that I think of that he's warning against, and that's the parasite. The parasite comes alongside too, but he's coming along solely for the purpose to receive. And God would not have us to be that way this morning. He would have us to come alongside of him to receive, but not just to receive only for what we need and want. God intended that we come alongside Him, that we come alongside our brother and receive strength that is beyond what we possess. But not just to feel good, not just to barely stay alive, but to be filled to the point where we have something to spill out to someone else. 
And that is the purpose of coming alongside one another and being filled by one another and being filled by the Spirit of God and being filled by the grace of God that He so abundantly would shower down from glory. Windows of heaven are full and they're open and, and are we in a position that we can be filled? Filled with the intent that we can be drawn from to the point that we need to be refilled again. We're, we're, it's the Lord's desire that we be used. That was the way He thought. That was His mind. There's a couple of individuals in the Scripture that come to mind. Barnabas was an individual who was called the Son of Consolation. He was known as a person who many people came to him and came alongside of him he received strength from. He often looked at those who were trodden down, those who many people overlooked. He had the mind of Christ. He was a son of consolation. Epaphroditus was another individual in the book of Philippians. I don't intend to spend a lot of time there, but he was an individual who cared so much about the work of the Lord that he made himself sick doing so. How many of us would be guilty of that this morning? That we've expended that which we have drawn from the Lord so much that we're physically sick. And I think that should be, when we recognize how much God has given to us, we will want to do all that we can. I don't particularly enjoy public speaking, but I know that if God has poured something within me, if I don't take and pour that right back out, what can God put in there? And so there's a little bit of a, of a conflict in here in my mind. I, I love the fact that God has given me something. I want to share it with you, but I also like to receive. And every one of us, if God is going to pour something into you, you need to be so willing to quickly to pour it right back out again. And it, the, the readiness you have to pour it back out is, is, is in proportion to God's readiness to pour it back into you. I believe that God is extra generous with a vessel that comes to Him saying, Give, Lord, give, Lord, give, Lord, so that I can give to someone else. God is generous with that type of an individual. And God calls you many times to come to Him and say, Give, Lord, give, Lord, so that I can pour out to those people who come alongside that may even be parasites. I know I, I grew up in a family where they're, uh, in a, in a, I was a preacher's child. And I often watched the parasites that came alongside of my parents and just drew all sorts of, of strength off of them and, and it seemed like just, just enough to stay alive, not enough to thrive. Those are the kind of people that Jesus, is, Jesus ministered to. And when you are being drawn from by a parasite, it's going to cause you to have to go back to the Lord even more so to receive the grace to give to even to those who are ungrateful. Times that we can look at people, and I can think of just several people real quickly that, that I think, wow, God has really given himself to that person. That person has the mind of Christ. That person has wisdom. And I sure wish I could get a portion of that man's spirit. I don't think that's a carnal desire. It can be a carnal desire. But God gives his spirit in abundance to those who are able to, to receive it. A little illustration here this morning. I believe God is limited this morning in the things that He can do. And it's not a limitation that comes as a result of His lack of resources, but rather a lack within the vessel. 
the vessel limits what God can do. And I'm going to keep this illustration a dry illustration. I could use water. If I had a vessel here of water, and that was the mind of Christ. And I would take the cap off and I would pour that until it was level full and running over. Would that be filled with the mind of Christ? It would not be filled with the mind of Christ because of all the things that are already there. There would be a measure of the mind of Christ, but if this thing was dribbling out in a slow manner, how long do you think that would last? And many times we as human beings tend to look at the size of the vessel rather than the volume of the vessel. If I had a big cup right here and it was clear, and I would consider that a small cup in Arizona, I'm not sure what you call that, but if I had a big 44-ounce drink right here and it was full of these stones, but then this one was empty, which do you think could contain more of the mind of Christ? And I know that can vary depending on the size of the rocks and so forth. But God is not limited in His resources. He's limited by the limitations of the vessel. What we are already full of that is incompatible with His nature. I cannot have the mind of Christ when my vessel is already full of something else that's completely incompatible with who He is. A misplaced affection. When I have a love for something that is contrary to Christ. The message before that I preached was on Christ our life. The Apostle Paul says, For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. And what you're living for should be worth dying for. And if it's not, then Christ is not your life. Many people, possessions is their life. Lust is their life. And on down, and the Scriptures say very clearly that any substitute for Christ is idolatry. The verse says covetousness, which is idolatry, but before that it talks about uh, all kinds of evil desires, and that's included with idolatry because it's a substitute for your life that Christ Himself can only fill if you're going to be alive. Pride is something in the mind. That keeps you from having the mind of Christ. The praise of men. The fear of man. Last Sunday in our Sunday school lesson, the Lord told Jeremiah that you go and speak to this people and if you're afraid of their faces, I will confound you before them. God had resources He desired to pour into Jeremiah, but if Jeremiah was full of the fear of man, he was going to run out of God's resources before the work was done. And therefore, he would be confounded before men. I'll confess to you, there's times I fear preaching assignments because what, what if I don't have anything to say? That's, that, that's a natural fear. But when we have the fear of men, when we have the desire for the praise of men, when we have pride, when we have misplaced affections, and the list could go on and on and on, we are defeating ourselves. I am defeating myself because Christ has every resource he, to pour into that vessel, but if I fill it with something else, He cannot. God can do anything but fail, but God, cannot, God will not work against our wills. He will show us clearly that that needs to be dumped out, thrown out to where He can fill us with Himself. Paul saying, make my joy complete. If you've received all those things, make my joy complete by having the same love 
Being of one accord, of one mind. Have the same love, the same spirit, the same mind. Now I want to spend some time looking at the two words of one accord and of one mind. That's going to be the thrust of the remainder of this message. Of one accord, the strong says to be co-spirited. Two words there, together plus soul. The soul is the part of man where the life is, where the breath is. From what I understand, an animal or a plant, they have that life. They have, they have something that, that's the indication that they're growing, that they're alive. And so it's saying that when I am of one accord, Christ has a life, I have a life, and we share that together. I'm drawing my life from Christ. And that's the picture. There's a oneness there that is typified in the Christian marriage. You take two, two individuals and from those two you make one life. And we're to have that same co-spiritedness or that, that oneness, togetherness of soul in the Christian marriage that we have with Christ and also with the church. And that's the way we have our oneness. I, I am so blessed when I can go, and there's a number of you I don't know, but there's a oneness that I sense. And as we speak after church, I'm going to confirm that oneness likely. I draw my life from Christ. You draw your life from Christ. And together we have fellowship. And if you have fellowship on any other basis, it's not a real fellowship. It's not a biblical fellowship. There's so many things that can draw people together. Everything from we both like to ride Harleys or we both like to eat pizza or whatever it is or we both like a simple way of life or we both we all like the Christian school. Those are all good things. They're compatible with the life of Christ. Minus the Harley. But they're compatible with the life of Christ. But if they draw you together and you lack that life, your fellowship is not real and it will not endure. Be of one a mind. That's our thinking. That's our mindset. And it includes our opinions. That was a, a real shocker to me. The mind that we're called to be one in, we're to have a oneness in opinions. I'll get to that more. That, that was a shocker to me. Some other usages in the Scripture of this same word mind. The Lord told Satan, Jesus told Satan, Get thee behind me, Satan. He told Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, for thou savorest not the things that be of God. That word savorest is the same word as mine. Your mindset is not in harmony with Christ's mindset. Your thought pattern, your thought pattern, in fact, is in harmony with Satan. And I want to give that as a warning this morning. When we are resisting one another with our mindset versus your mindset and back and forth, we are not savoring the things that be of God, but we're actually many times doing the will of Satan. And I don't encourage any of you to, to when a brother is resisting you to say, get thee behind me, Satan. The Lord knew the heart. And I'm not going to judge a man that chooses to do that when he knows that this is clearly not of God. But be careful. Be careful in your opinions that you do not lord it over your brother. Am I suggesting this morning that every one of us have to have the same opinion? 
Do we need to come and all agree that Ford is much better than Chevy or John Deere is much better than International or that vinyl windows are superior to aluminum windows? We just changed the windows in our church and that was a discussion. It wasn't a heated discussion, but we came to an agreement and we settled on it. Am I suggesting that all those things automatically when you have the mind of Christ, we're all going to think exactly alike? Amillennial, premillennial. I'm not suggesting that this morning. In Romans 8, verse 5, we have the verse that says, They that are after the flesh do mind, that same word, do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And I, a good test of whether something's after the Spirit or after the flesh is take a good long look at it and see whether it's going to endure the fires of eternal destruction. When we spend a lot of time focusing our opinions on that which is going to be burned up, we are focusing after the flesh and not after the spirit. And all those things I just mentioned, I think, are, are personal things that it doesn't hurt to have a mind on them, but be careful the emphasis that that mind has. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 11, it says, When I was a child, I understood that same word. For mine there, I understood my mindset, my thinking pattern, my opinions were very childlike. When I became a man, I put away childish things. I don't know if there's any school teachers here, but if there is, you're familiar with the school lunch conversation. A lot of times it can be pretty, pretty shallow. And it happens in bigger people too. But it's normal, that's the way a child does. But as we mature, as we develop the mind of Christ, we start thinking higher thoughts. We're thinking eternal thoughts rather than those things that are going to be destroyed someday soon. I believe it will be soon. Is it wrong for me this morning to have an opinion that one brand or something is superior to another? Sure hope not. Many of you have had experience with something and over the years this brand has worked well for you and you choose to do it. But the minute you feel superior to your brother because you've made all the right choices, you're so much wiser in those things. I dare say many of the companies, if they're in business today, are there because it works. And we have opinions about things and it's okay to have them. But forget the superiority and that feeling of greatness because you've done that childish and it's senseless we get this idea that if I have to plow that field with the John Deere I just as soon have the weeds and the hard ground to deal with than to plow with the John Deere that's not even rational thinking but sad to say there's many times that depending on what our profession is we think in those terms sometimes Romans 12, verse 3, it encourages us not to think of ourselves. I'll turn to that, Romans 12, 3. Instead of paraphrasing it, we'll get it straight from the Word. Romans 12, verse 3. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. This thinking, this mindset, the words of himself are italicized in there, and so I think it's fair to read it this way. They're added there for clarification. 
But I found it interesting to think about it this way. For I say through the grace of God given unto me to every man that is among you not to think more highly than he ought to think. Don't be thinking high thoughts. Don't be thinking high thoughts of yourself. Don't be thinking high thoughts of all those things that are superior to everything else, but think soberly. Don't think like a drunk man. Don't think like a child. Don't think irrationally, but think with a sound mind. If we're going to think with a sound mind, we're going to have to receive something that is beyond our strength and power. Where does that strength and power come from? It comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. To think with a sober mind means to think with the mind of Christ. And Christ would like to give us thoughts to think that are conducive to our, our spiritual living. It's an illustration that I thought of, and this is about our congregation. I'm sure you likely never face things like this. Maybe if I had thought harder, I could have thought of something where I was the villain in it. But This story is something that took place in my childhood, and it was years ago, so maybe not all the details are perfect. There was a sister in the church that needed a carport built up against her mobile home. In our church, there were two builders there. And I don't recall whether one was put in charge over another one. I'll just say that if you ever have a church building project, it's a good idea to put someone in charge. Someone that will lead out. And I don't know where all the details came in, but as we were building this thing, we soon discovered that we didn't have the main supporting beam to hold all these rafters that were going out. At least it wasn't adequate. I don't know if someone didn't order it properly or what. And the one young builder said... If we don't have a beam, we can't build this structure. And then another older brother said, well, we can make a beam. You simply take a two by six, you put a piece of plywood in between, sandwich it in there. I've done that for years. It's strong. It's even stronger than a solid beam. And the younger brother said, if that's the way it's going to be, I don't want my name attached to this. That doesn't look good. And it went back and forth, and it got warmer, and it got warmer, and finally that younger brother packed his tools, and he said, if you're going to do it that way, I'm not going to be a part of it. And he drove home. And we continued to build with heavy hearts. And the job got done, and I understand it's still standing, and I understand that the mobile home is supposed to come down, I'm not sure, but with it would have come down that. And eventually, if, if it wouldn't have been torn down, it would have been burned, and so did it matter? Did it matter whether that beam was solid or did it matter whether that laminated beam was put in there? Did it matter if we would have all had to come back a different week and we would have had to kill our whole Saturday? Was it wrong for that brother to think that the solid beam was best? Or was it sin to laminate one? Is it wrong to have debates on those kind of issues? I think the answer to all of that is no. It's not wrong to discuss why that's good or why that's not good. And I think it's even right at times for us to get passionate about what we're saying. I think that's something that's missing in the church today. Is there's people that lack a passion and, and they just quickly, well, I don't care. What, what do you care? I, I don't know. What, what do you think? The mind of Christ doesn't mean we just don't have opinions on things. The mind of Christ means we have ideas and we're willing to share them. 
The question is, is what do we do when it's all said and done? When the discussion is over, does my mind supersede Christ's general will for the brotherhood? And coming back to the illustration, I believe that it was God's will that we build that carport for Verna's trailer. And it's God's will that we all work together to get that done. And I think it was right. God, God intended that the brotherhood love each other enough that they come together and they're willing to share their ideas and even opposing views. And then when it's all said and done, we all lay our ideas down and we work and get that job done. That is the mind of Christ in its basic form is that we see the task at hand and then we do all that we can to see that come to, come to pass. In Romans 12, verse 16, it says, Mind not high things. Those are things that are highly esteemed by men. It's position, it's status. It's the things that are regarded with pride among men, among natural men. But it says not, not to think those kind of thoughts, but to condescend. Condescend means to be led or carried by. We're led or carried by things that are lowly. And I know for myself, I'm going to speak for myself, it's not easy to be carried by things that are lowly. I'd just as soon stand on my own two feet. I'd just as soon decide where I'm going and walk there rather than be carried by something else. And if I'm going to be carried by something, it should be by something that's got a little class to it. But the scripture is calling us to be carried by that which is lowly. To intentionally choose the path of lowliness. Christ was an example of that. Christ came and intentionally chose the lowly. Christ was not unfamiliar with the, the high things. Christ was familiar with the glories of heaven. And it was his mindset to take those glories of heaven and say, I'm going to put those things aside and I'm going to take, take the lowly path. Do you want the mind of Christ this morning? That's his mind. That's his mindset. And until we have that mindset, this is us. When we have that mindset, that vessel is totally empty. And all of Christ's ability and power can be poured into that. And Christ had to go, as the Son of Man, had to go often to His Father. There were times that He was whipped physically. And He went out and He spent nights in prayer. He went out and spent time in the wilderness. There were times that He was whipped and He kept going. He was being filled. And before we can be filled, we must first be emptied. Is having an opinion, even a strong one, or an opinion or idea, a strong one, is that contrary to the mind of Christ? The sister that was visiting us, she was telling us about her congregation. She said the deacon in the church is a very opinionated man. He's got, he knows what everything that ought to be done. She said, there's one thing I can say about that man. When they decide what is going to be done, he's the first one on the job. And even if it was contrary to what he had decided, I believe that man had the mind of Christ, to a measure at least. I don't know him personally. But I believe people who are even apparently opinionated can very well have the mind of Christ. 
Is it right for opinionated people to share their ideas? Be free to. And I would like to look at this from a couple different perspectives. If you this morning are looking at, I don't know you here, but you may, you may automatically, boom, I know who he's talking about in this church. The opinionated one that, that's free to share his ideas. I believe it's the mind of Christ for you to be thankful for those ideas. Because God in His goodness has given some people experience. Has given some people wisdom. And I think we should thank the Lord that that person has ideas and He's willing to share them. That's the mind of Christ for you if you're looking at an individual that you think is plenty free with their opinion. Thank the Lord for those kind of people. And I think if we're here and we sense that others don't care for all the opinions that are being shared, we need to have the humility to sit back. And many times in a brotherhood meeting, there's one or so brother that doesn't have much to say. And that brother should be encouraged, brother, what what do you think about this? There was an individual in our church that was talking about that. He said many times, they're all in agreement. They come to that brother, he goes, well, I don't know, but I, I see it this way. And many times that could be the mind of Christ. And they all agree. And they say, yeah, you're right. Even though he was sitting there quietly waiting. And didn't have a lot to say. Don't be so convinced that your idea is the mind of Christ. Allow God to speak through others. Whatever camp we find ourselves in, may we have the grace of God to allow our ideas to be trampled on and even assist in trampling on them when they're contrary to the will of God. I don't believe that's compromise. I believe that's having the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is willing to do something that you are even convinced has to be done over and then you go along and assist that person in doing it over. How many times has Christ done that for you in your life? He's done it for me many times. To where He allowed me to do what I chose, and He walked alongside of me until I was all done, and then He stood beside me and helped me do it right. It's the mind of Christ. And I think if we have the mind of Christ, and I'm not talking about moral issues. I don't believe it's right for the ministry here to decide, okay, you want the TV? Go ahead and try it for a while, and then I'll help you pick up the pieces that remain when, when the children are all wrecked and ruined. It's not the ideas I'm talking about. I'm talking about fleshing out some of these things that God has spoken to, but the details aren't there. And are we willing to fail? And many times when we are willing to humbly walk alongside that brother that we've chosen his idea and we're not... You know, what I tell you, what I tell you, all that does is fuels a bunch more of this stuff in him that God can't pour it in. But when he sees, I was wrong. It's the equivalent of taking that cup out and pouring it and emptying it. And that man can be filled with the mind of Christ to together where those, both of those brothers, they can walk together. Verse 3, the last part, it says, turn to Philippians. Philippians 2, verse 3. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Is that saying that all your ideas are always all better than mine? 
That's denial. A person that's, that thinks that way, I think, is delusional. That's not what this passage of Scripture is saying from my understanding. But rather, I would see here that it's saying that we should have the same type of mindset that Christ had. I believe that Christ, though He was great, though He was God Himself, esteemed us greater than He esteemed Himself. And I think that's what this, this passage is calling us to do. Esteem your brother greater than you esteem yourself and all your ideas and all your opinions and all that comes along with you as a package. It's saying, brother, I choose to place myself in rank below you. I submit myself to you. What are your needs? What can I do to serve you? And I don't expect you to say that with your mouth. It's kind of gushy. And I think many times can be insincere. Say it with your spirit. And your brother will hear it as though you shouted it. Sometimes it's right to say words. Sometimes it's just right to come along and do it. And when we have brethren that that is their mindset, brother, I am your servant. What can I do to help you? What can I do to help you in your Christian walk? That was the mindset of Christ. Christ, though God, came and said, can I be your servant? I know your need. Can I come along and assist? One thing about Christ is He knows our needs even before we ask them. And I believe as Christ... When our vessel is empty and fills us, we will see needs that we will not see if it's that way. The opposite of this kind of mind is in the first part of this verse. It says, Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. When you see someone in the church that's rising to prominence, maybe it's an individual that's just brand new, brand new member, and he's the one that's being nominated for all the assignments at church, and he's rising up, and he's getting, getting higher in importance. And you think to yourself, uh-huh, who does he think he is? That's the attitude that this is talking about. And many times we, in our childish ways, will see someone rising to prominence, and we'll go over and we'll throw him an elbow. We'll bring him down to the to the level that we think they ought to be. The mind of Christ is when we see someone being used of the Lord, we come alongside of them and we assist in filling their cup to where they can be used. And when they are used, we are used as well in filling them. And it might be a behind-the-scenes thing. But when our highest desire and goal is the will of God, we will be bringing consolation to anyone and everyone, including the one that may be at times arrogant. Sometimes that consolation will be in the form of, brother, I sense pride in your life. Can you deal with that so the Lord can use you? Who does God highly esteem this morning? We're called to not esteem the high things, but to condescend to men of low estate. And we're not to, we're to, to esteem others better than ourselves. What does God esteem? God esteems that kind of an individual. God esteemed the Lord Jesus Christ because of that mind, because of that mindset. And I believe that as we this morning take on that mindset, the world will look at it and think, He's just a servant. He's a nobody. But Christ 
but God esteems that individual very highly. Verses 9 through 11. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christ must be our life before he can be our mind. And I think this, this follows in a step. We will not have glory unless we've had the preceding step. We need to be one in our soul, one in our life. We need to be one in our mind. And I believe that the church is called the body of Christ and we, and the full extent of this will be expressed in eternity, but we become one body with Christ. And as we become all those things, one life, one soul, one body, I believe that we have the promise of the Scripture that there will be one glory. Let us not seek the glory now, but receive the glory that the Lord has intended for us in the future as we receive those things from the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who have the mindset that I spoke of this morning, that humble mindset where they're willing to, as Christ, intentionally bring themselves to a lower position are those who are candidates to receive that wisdom, that discernment, and that knowledge and understanding that many times are the desire. Christ has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And if you ask a carnal man which of those he wants, he would say the wisdom, the wisdom. But all those things are so necessary. And if we want the insight and the understanding to make wise decisions in this life, those other things must come first before we're a vessel that has the capacity to receive them. May the Lord give us grace to do that. It takes grace to be humble, but God gives in abundance more grace to those who choose that lowly path. May the Lord bless you.